up here. Isn't it fantastic to be together as the family of God? We can share in the joys and the, the lows. That's what the church is meant to be. We're meant to weep together, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, and rejoice with those who rejoice. It's fantastic to be together as the family of God. And Andy shared earlier that verse about not neglecting to meet together. Uh, it's the sort of the kind version where it says, encourage one another when you meet. Uh, some versions translate that as spur one another on to love and good works. I'm going to move this out of the way so I can look this way. And spur, like like a horse, digging it, dig a spurs into the horse to make it run faster. We're meant to spur one another on to love and good works. So uh, hopefully it won't be too uncomfortable this morning, but uh, I'll make no promises. <coughs> I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll begin. Father, I thank you for your presence here this morning, through your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you sent your Son to die for us. That we can know the joy of forgiveness. That we can stand before the throne of God above and not be completely undone because of the grace that you've extended to us. That we can find help in time of need. So I pray for us this morning that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher. You would illuminate the word to us. You would make us uh, understand it. I just ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We've been, uh, we're four weeks into a series uh, called Life on Mission. Is this working? No is the answer, yeah, at the moment. Uh, we've talked about this idea that you've got one job, and we've recognised that that's not quite true. There are several jobs that Christians have to do, or are, that are meant to do. But we've I this idea that there's one job that we sort of should prioritise, and that's the mission, uh, living our lives on mission. There we go. And we've talked about these things. This clicker isn't working for me. I might need to get used to click on. And we've talked about these three things. We've talked about the to stay there. We've talked about um, connect, serve, and share. Those are the three things that we've we've looked at. And uh, this mission that we're on, it's a mission of life and death. It's a mission with eternal implications. It's a mission about making a difference in people's lives now and for all eternity to come. And so I think I want to encourage you by saying God has a purpose for you. Embrace it and engage it, and you can make a real difference in people's lives. And so we've looked at these three things. We've looked at connecting with people, serving people, and sharing the good news with people. <coughs> and it's important to note that this is not a checklist. This is not, you know, I'm going to meet someone, I'm going to give them a cup of tea, and then I'm going to share the gospel with them. These are actions that we should be engaged in constantly. So it's not a checklist. You go, oh, I've done that bit, I've done that bit. Perfect. It's an encouragement in how we're meant to live, how we're meant to engage in this mission. And so we come today to our next uh, action, which is to grow. What does grow have to do with a life on mission? Connect, okay, I get that. Serve people, okay, I get that. Share the gospel, yeah, I understand that's part of the mission of going and making disciples. But that's the key phrase, making disciples. Our mission does not stop at helping people meet Jesus or begin to follow him. 
Our mission is to help people become like Jesus. That's what Jesus came to do, to make disciples, to make followers, to make trainees, to make apprentices who were devoted to the mission. And that's what he calls us to do. That's what he gave his, uh, the charge that he gave his disciples, often called the Great Commission, go and make disciples. What's critical to helping people grow and become more and more like Jesus is being in community with others and allowing God's word to have more and more influence in our lives. There's often a perceived uh, tension in the church, in church life, between evangelism and training people up. Working on the church, and Andy's talked a few times, we've mentioned this idea of the heartbeat of the church should be reach the lost, build the church, reach the lost, build the church. And sometimes there's this tension between what we're putting all our efforts into reaching the lost and the church itself begins to suffer a bit. It's not quite as good as it could be. Or we've focused so much on building the church that actually we never spend any time trying to reach the lost. Well, I think that tension is resolved through a correct dedication to discipleship. Our mission is not to get people to raise their hand in a meeting, that's not what reaching the lost is, or repeating a particular prayer, parrot fashion. Our mission is to make disciples. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 28. <clears throat> it's up on the screen. I'm going to read a, a verse or two before. <coughs> and when they saw him, they worshipped him. The disciples worshipped Jesus, but some doubted. Jesus came to and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our mission, your mission, my mission, is to help people grow in relationship with God. I just want to say, it's, I didn't put it up there, but actually I think it's quite an important little phrase in there. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But Jesus said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He, this is the core group. This is, you know, this is the, these are the founders of the thing. And Jesus, some of them doubted. But Jesus still says, go and make disciples. This is not about, I am, I'm perfect, I've got it all nailed, now I can go and make some disciples. Wherever you're at, your mission is to go and make disciples. You don't know it all, no one knows it all, but you know some, and you know more than others. So when we talk about growing, what we're really talking about is discipleship. How are you growing in discipleship? Well, what is discipleship and what is it for? It's training. I don't know if you know what this is. This is a, a, a still from Star Wars, uh, The Phantom Menace, which um, gets a pass because it's got some great music in it. Um, but apparently there's some other Star Wars films that have been made as well since like the 80s, but I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but they have these things called Padawan Learners. So the guy on, the, on your left is Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, don't know, I need to worry about that. But he is a Jedi Master. It's a real name, yeah? It was in the mix for our son, but, uh, but it wasn't. Um, 
and on the left, uh, on my left, on your right, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan Kenobi is a Padawan learner, which means he, he follows Qui-Gon Jinn round and they do everything together. They go in on a mission. Okay, you come with me, you learn. And if you've watched the film, they're sort of at the beginning, there's a, a bit where they're trapped. And instead of panicking, because Jedi's don't panic, Qui-Gon, who's the master, says, what do you think, Obi-Wan? Like, what, what, how do you feel about the situation? There's a sense in which he's the master. He could go, right, this is what we're going to do. Okay? He says, how do you feel about it? What do you think? What do you think we should do? What do you think's going on? It's an apprenticeship program. It's not just, just watch me and I'll show you what to do and then you can just get on with it and I'll leave you to it. It's, it's let's talk about it. Okay, w what's going on here? How do you feel about that? Okay, let's do something together. Let's review it. It's an apprenticeship program. And that's what discipleship should be. We've, I think sometimes we, we can sort of over-formalise it or sometimes we can under-formalise it, which is, a, again, a thing. We can, we can sort of make it so that it's so structured and rigid. It's, okay, you're going to meet me at this time and we're going to look at this for half an hour and then you're going to go home and we're never going to speak again until the next time that we meet again. Or we can just be so like relaxed about it that we never actually do anything meaningful and purposeful. It's an apprenticeship. I, uh, my dad used to lead this church. He was a, 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 the, sort of the leader here for about 20 years. For a period of time, I sort of apprenticed with my dad. I, I, I was sort of thinking, oh, I think God's calling me to church leadership. And so I would spend time with him and I'd sort of follow him around sort of talk to him about stuff and I'd ask him questions and he'd say oh, you know we want to do this what do you think and I, I, we'd, sort of, we'd work together on some stuff and then I, I went and spent some time uh, with another guy called Ken Shelley and I apprenticed in church leadership some of that was literally I followed him to a meeting and I just sat there while he talked to someone and pastored them and I was like oh okay this is interesting I'm learning how to do this I'm learning what sort of questions to ask I'm learning how to apply the Bible to different situations. Apprenticeship is the model for Christian discipleship. If you're a parent, you are discipling your children. That's a scary thought because you might not have realised that and maybe you're doing a bad job. I know, that uh, I recognise, if you've got children, you'll recognise they pick up your habits. I think I've said this before, Millie has picked up the sigh that I do when I'm a bit frustrated. <sighs> oh. and I, I, she did it and I was like, no, don't pick that up, please. That's not a good habit to have uh, received from me. If you're a parent, you're discipling your children. I want to say, who's discipling you as a parent? I'm particularly focusing on parents because I think there's a thing here uh, in the culture. There's a lot of peer-to-peer sharing of ignorance if I can if I can be so bold if you if you sort of anywhere you want to Facebook Instagram all those sort of social media platforms there's a peer-to-peer -peer sharing of ignorance people who don't really know what they're doing haven't raised any children before are sort of in the thick of it are sh speaking as if they are experts and some of those people all have expertise because they've studied but actually, I want to encourage you, if you are a parent, and this applies across other scenarios as well, 
speak to someone who's raised some children, who's done it before, who has got some grown-up children. It's a stress, I think, on, on parents to try and reinvent parenting. The amount of conversations we have with people about should we do this or should we do that with our children? Actually, a lot of those questions for us were answered by people who've done it before. Now, whether that was our parents or some other people that we trusted and knew, we talked to them and go, your kids seem to be all right. They, you've led a church and they still love Jesus and, they, you know, so what did you do? Or we did these kinds of things. Oh, okay, okay, that's helpful to know. But that requires humility. As I say, that applies across different scenarios as well. If you want to be, you know, a church leader, you want to sit with a someone who's a church leader and talk to them, you want to be a worship leader. It requires humility. We used to talk about, and I don't know when this went out of vogue, but fat Christians. It was desirable as a Christian to be fat, um, which stood for faithful, available, and teachable. It's like, yeah, we want some fat Christians, and it's like, I don't know, I think that went out of vogue because maybe that's not a polite thing to say, but... <coughs> Someone tried to make it, I think some people have tried to sort of add some stuff on the end and make it facts over. I don't think that's quite as good. But um, we, Christians should be faithful, available, and teachable. If you want to sort of progress in your faith, you've got to be faithful. You've got to, you've got to stick, stick at it. You've got to be available if you want to grow in stuff. Can you do this? I can make it happen. Now, not ridiculously so, but available and teachable. Humility is so important. There is a pressure on us to think that we've got all the answers. Andy was talking about it a, a couple of weeks ago about sharing and it being okay to not have all of the answers. You don't need to be the foremost expert on some sort of minutiae of theology to share your story, to share the good news of what Jesus has done in your life. You don't need to know it. You can say, I can go and find that out. We can find it out together. That's discipleship. We can do this together. And you you can disciple someone. I'll be careful how I say this. Understand what I'm saying. You can disciple someone who's not yet a Christian. You, you want to know about that? Okay, well, let's look at that together. That's really interesting. I've never thought about it like that. Let's look together. Discipleship is about learning to apply the gospel to ourselves in all areas of life, which means identifying areas of weakness and sin and correcting them. Now, this might come as a big shock to you. You are probably not the best person to assess your areas of weakness and sin. If you're married, you will realize that that's your spouse. Um, I thought that was funny. Um, it's not a solo activity. Discipleship is not a solo activity. You need someone to sit alongside you and go, you know, the way that you reacted there, that's not right. Because we justify our actions to ourselves. The Bible talks about the heart being deceitful above all things. At the end of that verse that I put up, it says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You need to be able to teach people. This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus did. But for what purpose? 
purpose of discipleship. The purpose of discipleship is to see lives transformed by the teaching of God's word and how to apply that truth to everyday life. James 1 verse 22 says, Don't just hear the word, and but do it. Don't just hear the word, but do it. If you just hear it, it says you deceive yourself if you don't actually do what it says. Paul writes to Timothy, he says this, Be diligent in these matters. He's given him a list of things to do. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. See, the Christian life, I've said this before, has two directions. It's got the sort of the mission of Christian life. It's into the world on mission. Hey, we're going, we we want to see lost people saved. We want to reach people who don't know Jesus so they can experience the grace of God. Into the world on mission. And it's through the world on a sort of a pilgrimage towards holiness, a journey towards holiness. Into the world on mission and through the world on a journey towards holiness. Salvation, there's a narrative to salvation. You are saved and you're being saved and one day you will fully be saved. We should be progressively freer from sin, progressively more and more like Jesus. I don't know if you've been a Christian for a long time or not, but my experience is not that I said, I'm following Jesus, God saved me, and I was the finished article, and then I've since degraded what you see before me. No, believe it or not, this is the sort of most advanced version. This is after years and years of refinement. I know, slow progress. (laughs) Pray for Megan. Um, But progressively, we should be getting more and more holy, more and more like Jesus. I think holiness seems to have become an undesirable quality in the church. People say phrases like, oh, I don't want to be all holy, holy. No, you really, you do. You do want to be holy, holy. Now, what is being said there is, I don't want to be sort of like unapproachable and completely removed so that I'm not of any use to anyone. You know, holier than thou, judgmental, that kind of thing. And I, I think that is, that is appropriate. But actually, that, that's a misuse of holiness. I think sometimes people think holiness means being unapproachable. It's much more popular to say, I want to be, I want to be loving like God. You know, the Beatles sang a song, love, love, love. The angels sing a song, holy, holy, holy. God is holy, 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 and yet we have the ability to approach him. If his holiness is such of such a high standard, it needs to be said three times. Sung constantly about. And we are able to approach him. We can be holy and be approachable. And it's not by us measuring up to his standard, but by him humbling us himself and approaching us. Psalm 18.35 says, For you have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me. Your gentleness, humility, your help makes me great. Some versions say, you stoop down to make me great. God stoops down to make us great. 
it's his humility and his willingness to bridge the gap that enables us to approach him. Jesus spent time with sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes, but he wasn't influenced by them, he influenced them. It's not about making people feel bad about what they're doing, but encouraging and demonstrating the better way, living the life, living life the way God has designed. Now, maybe for you, sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes, that sort of doesn't quite equate, but actually the person who's self-righteous, the person who has put their faith in money. The person says, I don't need God, I've got it all. I've got, I've got all the money I could need. I'm self-sufficient. Only God is self-sufficient. It's about, discipleship is that the purpose of it is to drive us towards holiness, to grow gradually. In big steps sometimes, in little increments at other times. So what does it look like me. I think it's different for different people and different relationships, but there are some common markers in discipleship. Christian discipleship is a relationship centered around learning and the application of the Word of God. It's a relationship that is centered around learning and applying the Word of God. Paul again writes to Timothy, You then, my child, 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men and women who are able to teach others also. What you've heard from me, in the presence of many other witnesses, entrust to others who can entrust it to others. There's a, there's a a teaching element to it. There's an element where it's centred around the Word of God. He also says, remember your leaders. This is, uh, this is Hebrew, sorry. He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to this. Again, there's a, a, a element which is centered around the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. How have they applied what they've taught, and what was the result of it? Do I, I'm going to imitate their faith. Notice it says imitate their faith, not imitate their life. You can imitate the faith that someone has, but without copying them exactly. So you. You might be a single person and you're looking at someone who's married and with children, but you can imitate their faith without imitating their life exactly. Does that make sense? Some of this is picked up, so you need to be around the person, or around the people. They're talking. Some of these things they're not taught. Does that make sense? You, sort of, you catch it by being around someone. This is how they behave. It's a bit like an accent. Uh, I've got nieces and nephews who live in Scotland. They were born in England, uh, grew up in the same area that I grew up in, South Oxy. So they've got um, they've got Mockney accents, which is like fake Cockney. Um, so, 
and they're a little bit, you're alright, how you doing? But they, they've now been in Scotland for several years, and when they're at school, they've got Scottish accents. Um, and then when they come home, they've got English accents again, because they're mum and dad. And I, I found this, I don't know, you can sort of do this in your own time, but if you say Space Ghetto in an American accent, it sounds a bit like Spice Girl in a Scottish accent. Um, so you can do that in your own time. Space Ghetto. No, that's the wrong accent. But anyway. Um, but accents are a bit like that, aren't they? If you spend time with someone, you begin to pick up. Oh, okay, I, I've got the sort of the cadence of their voice, the, the way that they say things. I've, I've picked up a little bit of that. Um, but we shouldn't be like my nieces and nephews in the sense that we switch back and forth. I'm not saying develop a church accent so that when you're here on a Sunday or in small group, you're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, isn't he wonderful? And then you get out into another context and you're sort of completely different. We, we need to not be switching back and forth. But actually there's a sense in which spending time with people, you, you sort of you rub up against each other and you sort of become like each other. Discipleship is a, a, a relationship centered around the Word of God, the application of it. It requires time and intentionality. I think there are two aspects to this. There's the sort of, I've just mentioned it, the life-on-life life aspect, where you sort of rub against each other. Simply by being around someone, living more like Jesus than you are, you can be influenced by them if you allow yourself. As Andy mentioned, part of the idea behind the role models thing is it's not overtly Christian in any sense that it's not going to be like a God slot where we stand up and go, hi, thanks for bringing your children to this thing. Now I'm going to tell you the gospel. But actually there's a, there's a, a sense in which being together and there being an opportunity to see this is what Christian dads are like. This is what people in the church are like as they serve you. There's an influence that's happening. There's a, a shaping that takes place. The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. Actually, there's a, a sense in which a friction against one another can help us grow and develop. And then there's deliberate time. Deliberate time spent learning the word and cultivating spiritual disciplines. And we did a, a series earlier this year on spiritual disciplines. We recommended a few resources in that series. So I, so I'm not going to talk too much about that, but Maybe you could go back and listen to some of those, or uh, we can re- sort of re-recommend the resources. But we see these two aspects at play in the life of Jesus. Jesus, with his disciples, he spent time with them. He just lived his life with them. He said, this is what I'm doing, follow me. And they lived their life with him. He spent time eating meals, traveling, going to people's homes, attending parties and funerals. He also spent time helping them understand the scriptures, teaching them to pray, getting them to come alongside him as he did these things. I'm quite a big fan of uh, intentional focus periods of time uh, learning about a particular aspect of Christian life, uh, which is like often quite short bursts. Uh, so I know for me, there's a when I was younger, I was asked different people to disciple me about specific things. Like, I've you know, referenced this before, I said, I, 
your family seems to be great. Let me come and teach me. You know, let's spend six weeks, six evenings together. What did you do? How did you raise your family? What were the things that you put in place? Okay, great. I'm not going to talk to you about finance because you're, you're, you know, you're always scrabbling around for cash. You, your finances seem to be excellent. Teach me, what did you do with, you know, how did you look after your money? How did you honour God with your money, but do that in a way where you didn't seem to be struggling? Okay, teach me, what, what did you do? Let me put these things in place. I think you can do that in short bursts. You can sort of go, oh, I see something there and I want to learn about it. And that can be helpful. But actually, I think it's much more valuable. You need both of these aspects, the ti- life on life and the deliberate time. But I would say, if you're going to choose one, go for the life on life. Find someone who you think, I want to be like, I want to love Jesus like they love Jesus. And because you can work out a lot of the other stuff. our one job is not to make converts not to convince people by clever argument or an emotive uh, speech to put their hand up our mission is to grow disciples and to grow as disciples in Paul's encouragement to Timothy in the great commission there's a, an element to it where it, it should contain generations. What I've said to you, entrust to someone else who can entrust it to someone else. Go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, which is to go and make disciples, which are going to observe all that I've commanded you, which is to go and make disciples, which are going to observe all that I've commanded you. There's generations to this. I want to finish with uh, a couple of points of application. We talk about different discipleship contexts. So I think there's a personal discipleship context where you have to take responsibility for yourself. It's down to you whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit and whether you spend time reading the Word and in prayer. That's, That's your responsibility. But we'd encourage you to, to find a 3, a 12, and then be involved in the 72 context that Jesus had three disciples that he spent particular time with Peter James and John they sort of they got to be in on certain things so when he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane he takes them in a bit further off with him and says pray with me they do a rubbish job but he sort of brings them in so I want to encourage you get a running partner or partners get involved in a three some people who will actually challenge you not just be friendly with you and have a bit of chit chat but someone you can be honest with and a bit vulnerable with so that you can challenge each other we talk about the 12 the the 12 disciples they were together they did things together they ate meals together they shared their lives they traveled around together be part of an explore group part of the 12 get on mission serve somewhere go to things like Ashburnham be part of a 72 Jesus sent out 70 72 of his followers to go and do some mission they got sent out 
serve somewhere in church life. Stand alongside some people and serve. And then Jesus also had a crowd of people who followed him. And the sort of 72, the crowd, we talk about Sunday mornings, be involved in big gatherings like this. Listen to what's being taught. Talk about it. But I just want to finish with two final points of application, which is to be a learner and to be a leader. Have I turned this off? I always turn it off. Um, be a learner and be a leader. Be a learner. Find someone who knows more than you, who loves Jesus more than you. Be humble about it. As I said, there's too much peer-to-peer advice in the world, in, I think, <laughs> at the moment. Now, that's not saying you can't meet with someone who's of a similar life stage to you. That's, that's valuable and it's helpful. But I would encourage you, find someone who's much older than you in the Christian life and spend time with them. Ask to spend some time with them. People who have lived through things, who've wrestled with the questions you're wrestling with, who've lived through the experiences that you're living through. How do you, how do you maintain a, you know, a thriving relationship with Jesus while you're trying to raise children? Speak to someone who's done that. Be a learner. Be a leader. Initiate something. You can ask someone to disciple you in a particular area or a discipline, and you can also serve someone. You might see someone you think, actually, I, I see something of God in you, and I want to spend some time with you drawing that out. Be willing to say yes and serve someone. Now, that might be, actually, it might be a group setting. You might go, listen, I, would you two want to meet together, and the three of us, we can, we can look at this book, or we can read this section of the Bible and we can meet up and be accountable to one another and encourage one another, challenge one another, spur one another on. You know, I'm asking you, will you come and sort of dig me in the side and say, have you shared your faith this week? No? Alright, that's interesting because, you know, the last time we spoke you said you were going to sort of try and find an opportunity to do that. Have you not been praying about it? Find someone who's going to ask you those questions. And not in a way that makes you feel like, oh man, I'm such a rubbish Christian. But in a way that goes, I can do this. I can do it. That's what we talked about this right at the very start. I said we've got one job and we can do it. You've got one job and you can do it. God will enable you through his spirit. Be a learner and be a leader. Initiate something. 